the window had been busted out and our gear, part of our gear had been stolen. Uh, there's nowhere to play up here at all. I'm sitting there kind of by myself, like waiting for my manners. And, and the mirrors, like they, the mirrors kind of like spin open like 90 degrees, like they kind of rotate open. And all these women in sexy lingerie can come walking out from behind the mirrors. I'm just well, going to throw this out there that it almost sounded like you were kind of the dark side sometimes of the scene. Just when I parted ways with monuments and so it was a really, really desperate time of my life. At the end of it, our bass player told us, like, he just looked at us and was like, yeah, this is my last show. So, like, basically back to the beast era. Dealing with this alcohol intake and we're at a Christian festival and we're supposed to be a Christian band. I was kind of like, man, this, this sucks. This is not a good look. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Dark Side of the Scene. I'm your host, Brandon Wright, alongside Ed Corella. Yo. How's it going tonight? It's going. I'm uh, just drinking water today, so I don't know if you can hear me undo the cap. It's a school night. I ain't going to drink a beer. <laughs> but I need to whistle, wet my whistle, because I feel like ranting about something. And maybe you guys out there have the same problem in your area, but maybe I need opinions on this. And it's going to be a good one. So up where we live, are we supposed to say where we live? I don't know. Up in the North Indiana, we have a famous little venue that's been around even probably longer than I started playing. And it's gone through some owners and now they got an owner. And... I think I know what place you're referring to. I think it's okay. the place where everybody knows your name. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, they have an owner who bought it and he's fixing it up and another person apparently helped him and then some crap went down allegedly this owner did some some bad things i don't know like you know and now that everybody decided they don't want to play there because allegedly the guy is bad and i get a lot of accounts that he said he did it i don't know i don't know the guy personally but now it's just almost like it's just got, you know, a stigma there. And I, I'm trying to find out, like, why. You know, if somebody did something wrong, maybe they won't admit anything. But, like, I see, like, the person who was in business with this person. Well, I guess he's in a band and a couple of his members still go there. One of them, you know, kind of runs the DJ and the karaoke. But it's like, if the place was that tainted, why would two members go there and even my I have a family member that works there and they don't even understand the whole situation and I'm not saying like anybody did wrong but I, I just think that like well we had another bar allegedly have something with the owner and it blew out of proportion and now like and how fast it like blew out of proportion and now everything's cool you know there's a a little bit of miscommunication i'm not sure and that's fine and dandy and all but like i have a couple members in my band who don't want to play that everybody knows your name place which is fine i respect that but it's just like it's just crazy how things can get 
spread so quickly and I'm I just, wonder hmm. my question is I think we actually touched on this when we had another interview about the dude from As I Lay Dying hired a hitman to murder his wife yet they're back together now after he did his time and everyone's fine with it well, I say everyone but a lot of people are fine with it oh they go see him and everything that's all fine and dandy like fans are still fans they're still selling albums some people probably don't like them anymore, but where is the cutoff? You know what I mean? Where's that line that you cross to where you're blackballed or it's okay? You know what I mean? Right. I just, to me, which, which let's say let's just, these two parties. Like, to me, it sounds like a lover's curl. I don't know, but like, I feel like I don't think people have, what's the word? They won't take responsibility for their for their actions and now it's like a lot of and it's it's in a good central area it's like close to the toll road if bands were coming to show trade it'd be perfect you know just like we have another venue that we could use to show trade and now we're basically like the kid behind the fence who can't play on the nice brand new tainted playground and it's really annoying because again it taints the reputation of the place that it had or the, the legendary place it status it had so i don't know it's i just I'm, want to play music that's just what yeah. it is it's, but again it's i guess all, like, yeah go ahead oh you're fine i'm just thinking like i guess my thing is how many bands that go on tour go to these places and you don't know the backstory to it and they play these places and the owner or some shady shits went on <laughs> and how the hell does anyone know what happened in New York? You know what I mean? Or we're right. out here, you're out here in Utah or whatever. Well, the owner went back there and he beat some guy to death years ago and whatever. Like, who knows? Like, no one really knows. So I understand if it's local and there's actually like legitimate shit that happened or if it's all just rumor. But at the same time, it's like it. Is it affecting you? Because it affects the other people involved and obviously affects the business. But at what point, again, like I said, is there a time period, a line crossing? Like, where's the cutoff at? These people that don't want to support the place, but do you listen to certain bands or certain athletes you follow or whatever? They've all, everyone's done fucked up shit. <laughs> I, I feel like everybody's got blood. I feel like almost every business and business owner has blood on their hands somewhere. somewhere. Yes. Somewhere. Somewhere there's always been blood been shed somebody. Somebody's blood has been shed. They've done some shady stuff. I think it's part of being a human is right. we're all kind of fucked up. So so my thing is if let's say somebody out there maybe might have the same situation at another venue, wherever they are, any listeners, you know, you can bring that story if you'd like. I'd, I'd like to hear that. I mean, am I, I wrong? I mean, no, I, I, I agree. I don't. It's just a slippery slope. It's think, just a shame. Think <laughs> about that in this terms. Look at stores like Walmart or Amazon or any of these big old companies, whatever. They treat their employees like shit. They do slave labor from other countries to get the stuff made for them. But guess what? Are we boycotting all that stuff? Fuck no, we're not. No. Like the equipment some of these people made, even if it says made in America, I'm sure not every musician out there buys straight up American made stuff. So you're getting stuff made from other countries where it's probably made by 
sweatshops or young people or whatever it is. I'm sure it's <laughs> not the greatest working conditions, but yet we still buy this stuff. So again, where does that judgmental line come across? Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's a touchy subject. It definitely is. I just... You know, I'll play anywhere, really. I mean, I but, guess that's kind of my mentality. Like, you know, it, it it is what it is. Like, I just think people in general suck. So, hey, if we want to go in the grand scheme, like all these people like movies that Harvey Weinstein like produced. But, you know, there's that. <laughs> no shit. Uh, anyway. <laughs> well, we've got a guest on tonight that, uh. I've been anxious to talk to a little bit. You might know this guy yourself because I'm pretty sure you guys uh, were in a band together at some point. I think he just made sandwiches. I thought I made them, but I think he did. <laughs> but before we dive into talking with him, if you would like to be on Dark Side of the Scene because you've had some bad experiences while playing music, send an email to brandon at darksideofthescene.com and we will get you on a future episode. And I guarantee it'll be the bee's knees. Yeah. We're going to go ahead and bring on Jason. So hang on to your butts because it's about to take off. Zzz. We're joined tonight by our guest, Jason. Jason, thanks for coming out and talking to Ed and I. Thanks for having me. Evening, what gentlemen. Up? What up, Jason? Uh, airplanes and erections. Sweet. <laughs> Sweet. That de- that depends on the person, I guess, because some people just can't get that anymore. According to all these commercials and stuff I see, or all the advertisements that Facebook apparently sends me about ED for him or something. Dude, I get I, I see those ads on like Facebook Marketplace, which is strange too. Like, this is it trying to tell me something. And those were of that age to where our I guess our things apparently stopped working. So. I see the gummy ads all the time and I, I tried to like buy hey, some. Why am I seeing this ad? And it says, because of your age. I'm like, well, that's pretty uh that's I my self-esteem didn't need that. Nope. <laughs> nope. So I'm, I just turned 39 last week, so I'm I'm pushing the dirty forty. So apparently uh <laughs> it's time for me to start getting my prostate checked and um taking little blue pills or something discreetly from hems hems if you're out there go ahead and give us a sponsor <laughs> right. we need those boner pills right but yeah so uh <laughs> our, our, i have no words our, 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 already off the rails oops that's typical so um you know ed a little bit you guys were in a band together for a little bit yeah a little bit so ed and i used to sling pizzas together at meyer way back in the day yep like 1999 that's how i met ed and he was called death metal ed (laughs) still am (laughs) death metal ed (laughs) you have to update your name on the so like so yeah and then like death metal ed (laughs) yeah pretty much but like i knew jason was in a band actually i didn't know he was in a band I didn't see him for a while. And then, like, I think I might have found him on MySpace and he was like in a band, but I worked second shift. So I knew nothing about what Jason was doing after many years later. So I should have kept contact with him, but I'm a jerk. 
I think the internet back in those days weren't really <laughs> able to c- keep in contact with people. Uh-huh. Yeah, you kind of like if you left a job or when you left school, you kind of just unless you had that person's number, you kind of drifted. And uh, yeah, it was just kind of what was it? Was it the Zayo show in Fort No Warsaw? I think I ran into you. Maybe that was it, but I maybe that was it. I just don't remember. It was it was just weird that they were even there, like at a little pavilion. It's like Zayo. You want to hear some weird, weird shit? As I Lay Dying played in Peru. This was before they were considered huge. But (laughs) I remember where they were just kind of like that first album that they'd released came out and they were on tour and they played in Peru, I think, in like 2002 or 2003. So Where in Peru? It would have been... I was stationed there at the Air Force Base for a little while and there's nothing there. There used to be a bunch of shows at the Isaac Walton. I've actually had some okay. shows there too. And then there's also some of the American Legion and then the old uh, Knights of Columbus. I live in Peru, so I, I used to be at all those shows. <laughs> so, okay. But no, them, War of Ages, and uh, what's that band that has the chick singer? Like it was a hardcore band. Oh, I, um, I know who you're talking Walls about. Walls of Jericho? Yes, I think it actually was Walls of yeah. Jericho. Uh, yeah, they played here too. It was like early two thousands. Like they were okay. They weren't what they are nowadays, or what they became, or were. But this was in like two thousand and two, two thousand three. So why would they come to Peru? Is it because the circus was there? No, I actually was friends with this guy, and he was bringing in a bunch of bands. He was bringing in like local shows and stuff. And I wasn't doing bands at the time because no one wanted to play metal at that point for some reason everyone wanted to play like post hardcore slash screamo want to be the used or something and i wanted to play like metalcore because i was in the bands like darkest hour and shadows fall and stuff and everyone's like that shit's stupid mm. well <laughs> everybody had a lot of hate for metalcore back in the early 2000s yeah and then and it like, kind of took off yeah, then like it exploded like 2003 into 2004, it exploded and everyone's wanting to play it. I was like, wait, I've been trying to play this stuff for like three years and everyone like made fun of me. Yep. So, but uh, that's just a little off topic. But you mentioned uh, Zayo up in Warsaw. I was like, that's crazy because I didn't know they played up there, but it's weird to think that a lot of these bands played in Peru as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, there was a guy, Aaron, um, I want to say Hutchinson. He he was like one of the guys. I think he's in Pennsylvania now, but he was like big time promoter. He's still doing shows. It's my age, but I mean, he was just getting these crazy acts uh, to come to like middle of nowhere Warsaw. Um, I think sometimes Kokomo had a couple of shows. We used to play with In the Face of War and Kokomo all the time. Yep, they were a good one. Um, and then obviously everybody remembers the Post in Goshen. I don't remember. I don't think I ever went up to a show there. Oh, you I, missed out. Yeah, it was I, like the place to be Friday out. and Saturday. I was working sa- like second shift, having like no, I was being antisocial. So I never knew about these things. I think my friend or our friend Eric invited me one of those, but I never went. And I, I don't know. Maybe I was just being elitist. Who knows? What a dumbass I am. <laughs> it was, it was a cool place because it was definitely, it was um, basically like a youth outreach place. And they held hardcore, metal, punk shows and stuff like that. But it was just a nice, safe place for kids to go, which, you know, oh, we didn't have a lot of that in high school. So it was really cool for that. Kids were getting exposed to music. 
the scene was thriving then back in the early 2000s like every night like i remember we would play there on a friday night and play there again the very next night and you'd still have at least 500 kids packed into this place it was just always a good time yeah yeah that's you guess the major acts come through uh the chariot played there um store mains they used to come down from grand rapids and before they blew up they were playing there I actually think I saw you guys play with Still Remains before. I think it was the first time I'd seen you guys. Okay. I, I think it was down at the Emerson Theater. That yes. Sound, that sounded about right, yeah. Yeah, it was um, us, Still Remains, and I think Haste of the Day was the headliner. Yep, it was. And I, Oh, yeah, I remember because their bass player, I felt so bad for him. They were on tour, and the tour brought him through Indianapolis, and he had just eaten McDonald's, and he was like, throwing up on stage like he just kept walking to the back by the drum kit and was just hurling the entire evening felt so bad for him damn chicken nuggets that's when i was this dude came up and uh they're doing their pit dancing fighting kicking whatever he came up to me and like he swung and i moved and i like palmed him right in the nose to push him away and he like dropped i was like "Uh uh-oh and then he got up just kept going like okay it didn't hurt him (laughs) for a second i thought i'm like pushed his nose into his skull or something because I like straight up palmed him away. But no, that was, I think wasn't ghost of Maine involved in that show too. I feel like, I feel like they were them or Gwen Stacy. Yeah. So all those bands, those were like you guys, ghost of Maine band name, Gwen Stacy, Gwen Stacy. Yeah. I actually booked them a couple times up in Peru area. Sounds like a troubled girl. (laughs) Spider-Man's uh one of his love interests. Oh. <laughs> Where's your comic book knowledge? At in? least his dick works. Spider-Man's <laughs> first love interest was Betty Brandt. Yeah. So well, <laughs> no, Itfo, those guys and everything. We used to my old band used to play with him a little bit around here as well. I don't know whatever really happened to some of them. I know one of the guys actually owns a record store now in Kokomo and they do some shows there too. Mm. That's cool. But no, a lot of these bands, they all just kind of, once 2010 kind of happened, 2010, 2011, and everything around here just kind of dried up and hasn't been much going on anymore. When I moved back from Arizona, I had been talking to Ed about, you know, Beyond the Fathoms because I found him on Facebook Marketplace because he posted the Beyond the Fathoms video for By the um, Dick Pride. And they're like, we need a, we need a bass player. And I was like, oh, I know who posted this. And that's when I got linked up with Ed again. But I will say it was, I was really bummed because I hadn't been in the area in forever uh, being in the military. And I guess, I don't know. I was like hopeful, expecting the scene to be the way it used to be. And that like, just, there was no scene anymore. So and Ed and I talked about that. It's like kind of a bummer how, you know, metal doesn't really have a prominent, foothold in this area like it used to no i i don't even know what is popular for like anyone anymore around here because i feel like most of the shows are over 21 yep and then the few all-age shows that have still been around were decent but i feel like kids these days aren't into bands as much like i think I have my own little conspiracy theory that kind of goes that once the evolution of smartphones and tablets and everything, like from a small age, kids are handed these devices, which I'm guilty of it as well. 
but we hand our kids these devices and they don't ever look up from it. So there's no reason for them to go out to enjoy things because all they want to do is lay around on their electronic devices. Why well, go to a show when you can watch like a recap on YouTube? Yep. It's not the same, but I guess, it's... you know, hardly. <laughs> kids enjoy uh, watching people play video games now instead of actually playing the video game themselves. They'd rather watch someone else play. That is, that is weird to me. Like, oh, I'm going to pay to stare at this person. Like Twitch gamers or whatever they make buku bucks because people want to watch them play video games and i don't i can't understand that i guess i'm too old no. i don't know I, man that's it this just seems like so much work too like you got to get the game the day it comes out and you have to probably play it for what 24 hours straight just to be able to post any kind of content because it's crazy like two days after games come out you've got videos where like here's all the hidden secrets in this level and it's like how did you even do this already yeah, it blows my Here's mind. a walkthrough, and this game just came out 24 hours ago. I think some it's of these not... people get, like, early access stuff if they're famous enough. I think they get, like, the companies send them, like, early demos just because they can help, like, promote it, I guess. I don't know. I could be 100% off base, but I think that's what I've read somewhere that certain, like, websites do game reviews and certain game testers or whatever. They get, like, early access rights to certain games. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that makes sense then. Well, try to get a little on topic, but what's some of the bad stuff you've dealt with? Because I know you've played quite a bit of shows and did a little bit of on the road stuff. So, what's some of the bad stuff you've encountered over the years? Ooh, I think. Well, kind of. You you made me think of my first uh, example when um you're talking about the Emerson and that guy swinging. Uh, I think like the worst thing about the hardcore scene was the dudes that just showed up to fight people. <laughs> the crowd killers. I hated, I hated crews. You had yeah. all these different crews. So you had like, I can't go to a show myself. I have to go with a crew and they would just start fights for, I don't know why they would just start fights. I saw it all over the place. I think the worst was once uh, we were in, I want to say it was in California. I think Bakersfield. And these dudes just started wailing on this kid because there was a pit. And I guess one of the guys in the crew got hit. And so they just, it just ants on a log, man. They were just on this kid. And I felt so bad for him. And I just, I hate crews. I thought that was such a negative aspect of the scene. It kind of ruined it for people that just wanted to go to a show and have a good time. Bunch oh, of I want guys. to mosh. My friends are pushing. Oh, I, I bumped the wrong person. You know, no yeah. disrespect. <laughs> It was like game wars. Bunch of tough guys beating up on one person all together because that's cool. I used to go to shows all the time. And when I go to the Fireside Bowl in Chicago, I wouldn't dance. I wouldn't do anything. I would just, I'm just going to watch the band. Cause I mean, you had all sorts of like, you had straight edge crews, courage crew, all that kind of thing, uh, all that kind of stuff out there. And those guys, they didn't mess around. Could you just call them a courage crew? I courage crew is one. They were yeah. a big one. What the hell does that mean? I brought that up on another episode. That was the one that band I called out AXP or whatever. They were supposedly part of the Courage Crew around here. What is the Courage Crew? That sounds like a Care Bears. They were the ones. It was like that a are... big straight edge crew. Yeah, they were the ones that would beat kids up that were smoking and stuff. Yep. Oh man, I think like poetic justice has hit them with a bottle of alcohol. If there's, you know, I mean, for straight edge. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not a violent person, but some people just, that's just annoying and stupid, whatever. Yeah. It's not fun when you have people that are 
adamantly going out of their way to just right. fight. And they have to do it. They can't do it alone. They have to do it with their friends with them. You know, five on one is not a fair fight. I don't think that exists anymore as far as I know. I mean, you get your ass handed by the whole crowd if you start shit. And that's good. That's what it yeah. should be. I mean, that's, that's, um, but I mean, this that's well, I don't. I guess it's, those were like regular shows, not like bigger yeah. band shows. Those are more like the all age scene back in the day. Like okay. nowadays, yeah. nowadays, I feel like the shows that we've had to play recently have been predominantly like a bar scene type thing. And I don't think you have the same type of crowd. You more or less have drunk people that aren't <laughs> even really there for some come to see your, the bands, but a lot of them are just there to drink and they're like, at least in my experience, we've been told, play some real music. <laughs> All right, let me just whip out some Skinner over here for you. <laughs> I, I feel like the first time I saw people at a show that was reminiscent of the old scene was when we played at Ignition in Goshen. Yep. And I was like, wow, there's like teenagers here. Like that blew my mind because I'd been in the band for probably a year by that point. And we played all over, and I just felt like it was, like you said, the bar scene. Like, it was always older people. Uh, Pierre's every now and then, there were some younger people there, but it predominantly was just older older folks that were at these shows. So seeing a bunch of teenagers, and then seeing them, you know, mosh and stuff, I was like, wow, this kind of takes me back. My yeah. glory days. <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm pretty grateful for that venue, just because, you know, there's, there's still a lot of that shows to happen. All the kids come. It's great. I mean, I'm, I think this month there's another one, so I'm sure there'll be a shitload of people there too. So I'll go with that. Just see kids beat up each other, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that is the dark side of the scene, Ed. We don't, we don't want that. Well, although it gives I, the show content. So right, I don't. I didn't start the darkness. I just let get entertained by it. I guess <laughs> at least around in this area, a lot of the shows anymore, and a lot of the shows that a lot of these bands are all about they're more or less like back to the underground style they're in basements they're in garages they're at people's houses like that's the scene is what it has become like the venue itself is non-existent like it was 15 years ago now everyone's doing like the old diy shit where they're hey man i've got five bands coming out in my garage tonight and then people go out there they party they camp out they do whatever they want that's literally what it's became around here i feel like I, our drummer like he joel he plays um i think he said he plays some basement shows and a couple like throws them up in kalamazoo says so a good time i guess so it's like we've I mean, played I, some before yeah. and i don't know there's always people there but for the most part i feel like they were usually just there to camp out back and have fun with their girlfriends and do drugs and right rock on guys right like, there was it, a sorry i was just i don't think they're all there for the music it was more or less just for the experience yeah there was a place in lafayette this dude had shows there i guess he has it's it's still run, there oh yeah and he runs the bar but like we played his show at his house and it mm -hmm. wasn't a basement and I feel like that was my first basement show in that band. So it was different. And then kids slowly coming out and then they're starting to drink. And I'm like, uh, I don't know if I should, we want to be here. So we ended up leaving because a little uncomfortable having all the kids, which look under a start drinking. I'm like, I don't want to be here when they get busted. So we played a 
show in Kokomo <laughs> at a little <laughs> tiny house. Like it was actually inside the house, full on house show. And we were promoting it and promoting it, promoting it. And there was, it was the biggest quote unquote show that they've ever had in his house before. <laughs> and I was terrified that the cops were going to show up and arrest everyone because there was people all outside. It's in the middle of January. There's nowhere to go. It's noisy. It's literally there's a house like 15 feet beside each side of you. I was like, how is this going to happen? And yet it did. And not one person got in trouble. I was like, this is kind of cool. What year was that? 2012. Okay. That we had one- a show farther south from Kokomo it was a house show. I want to say it's probably closer to Carmel, but it was like dead of winter. We were freezing. <laughs> And we played this house, and it was just packed. And house shows are, man, those are hit or miss. Yeah. Because like you said, the cop thing. And then when you have someone in the band that only likes you when you buy them alcohol, that's not fun either. <laughs> no. Because no. they're underage, and you're like, man, who are they going to nab for, for this? If this gets busted, they're going to nab me. Yeah. I just thought of this story about Carmel, and I know it's unrelated, but I'm going to make it quick because... I went to like a church retreat in for my church back in, I don't know, I think I was in middle school and it was a Mexican church because I'm Mexican, right? But I can't even understand a word of it. <laughs> and we went down there and it was like predominantly like white people <laughs> there. And the chauffeur guy who I'd never seen before at one point put one of those ponchos on, you know, the thing with the blanket and like, I don't know why he was wearing that. Maybe because he wanted to represent us, but it was very awkward because I don't even think Mexicans even wear those. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought of that just now. And the, my my friend told him to fuck off. He didn't like him, but it was just weird that he wore that as a white guy trying to fit in. Like, I don't know. I don't know what happened that, to that guy. That, that it's like, like that. Karma. How are you doing, fellow children? Meme? Yeah, basically. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's why I, I think of Carmel every time. Every time I hear that, I think. To be honest, Carmel used to have a sick scene because of CPAC. Did you guys ever play there, the Carmel Performing Arts Center? No. No. Those shows were straight up awesome. There was always like huge, huge turnouts. I always wanted to play there and we never got the chance to because (laughs) the dark side of the scene prevented that from happening because apparently some people decided that they were going to go in there and hurt people with baseball bats the hell so that was the uh, that was the end of metal shows going on at the carmel performing arts center oh boy yeah it was like i don't really that's just what i heard so again i won't call that the gospel but that was the reasonings that the shows were being canceled i was told from other bands was well Someone went in there with a baseball bat, started beating up people in the crowd, and cops got called. Now they won't let us book shows there anymore. I'd monkey stomp that guy, whoever did that. You ruined yeah. a good thing. You ruined a good thing. You deserve like some kind of beating. <laughs> I think that was in like 2007, mm-hmm. 2008 era. Huh. Was when it all come burning down. Man, that stinks. We uh, so when we got signed or when we we're about to get signed to strike first records, uh, Devin, the drummer from Hayes today was our manager and he got us on this show. And so we show up to this place in Indianapolis and it's like this church in a strip mall, but they would hold shows there. They'd run it out for shows too. 
but I guess there's some miscommunication. And so we're in there, we're offloading all our gear, first band setting up, and all these people start coming inside for Easter service. So we were guaranteed like a set amount of money to play. And this whole thing happened with the owner of the venue. Um, and so basically we got kicked out. And I guess like they, you know, because of the miscommunication, they like, they're like, nah, we're never doing shows here again because they didn't like the people that showed up. They're like all these riffraff are here, darn kids. What are they doing here? And I was like, wait a minute. I thought you guys were supposed to be open and loving because this is a church, but okay. <laughs> so that was a venue that got killed because of, you know, just sheer ignorance, I guess. Riffraffing. <laughs> yeah, we're riffraffing. What was crazy was back then though, we made a couple calls and we had a new venue within like half an hour, an hour, like 20 minutes away. Nice. And so we played there and like, it was still like, you know, jam packed, like wall to wall kids. So I don't yeah. know. Hmm. There was a show that we played. You probably played there too. You ever played the Taylor firehouse in, like on the South side of Kokomo? I, where, I think so. Yes. It played there quite a bit too, I believe, but we played there. We opened this up, and one of the bands that were supposedly on tour coming through from, I think, Michigan. I had no idea who they were, but they were called We Came as Romans. Um, <laughs> they played and then went on about it. I was like, eh, those guys are pretty cool. Now they're like really popular or were popular or something. I was like, oh, I remember those guys. <laughs> Just randomly play with a band you never heard of, and all of a sudden, like, figures later, like, oh, look at those guys. They made it. Nice. Yeah, there, there's a couple like that. Uh, there's, I want to say with Blood Clums Cleansing, we played with them in Oklahoma, and now they're like huge. Uh, they're on Victory Records. Uh, there was another thing. one from Michigan. I can't remember who they were. They start it started with a B. Blessed by Broken Heart, that's another one. Just all these random bands that we've played with on tour, and now it's like, oh, snap, that guy's, I remember those guys. Yeah. Victory Records had some pretty big controversial stuff go on a few years ago too. Is that it? Are they still even a label? I don't know. I have to look into that. That's a good question. I thought they're. I like... heard from some people that they just kind of milked bands dry. Yeah, I heard. And they... they would definitely hold up some bands, but like you had bands that were like like Dead to Fall, they were like a staple of Victory, and they're still torn in this like crappy little van with a trailer while, you know, these bands that just get signed are getting full tour buses and stuff like that. It made no sense to me. Yeah. I haven't ever heard any positives about labels to be a hundred percent honest. Like just <laughs> for know. people that I've talked to that is like, yeah, we were signed to this label. We were signed to that. I was like, Oh, how'd that work out for you? They're like fucking suck, man. We had to pay for everything ourselves. I was like, yeah. okay. So what's the point of the label? Like, I don't know. To make I've money never, off you. <laughs> I've never been in a band that ever got really signed to anything legit, so I can't really vouch for anything. But I figured we'd be talking to people who have had experiences with that so they can share those stories sometime with us. Sure. Well, we, um, so when Devin started uh, managing, uh, being, our, I'm stuttering here. When Devin became our manager, we, uh, put together a five song EP and we, did like a week and a half tour during the summer of 2005 and we went to cornerstone that's where we capped off the tour and so we we're meeting all these people there we were like making connections and talking uh we did the whole nine yards for this this ep where we i um contacted this company in indianapolis i had them professionally press put like a little booklet in there and everything it looked like a cd buying the store 
And finally, we got uh, approached by Strike First Records, which is a subsidiary of Facedown Records. And so you had all those, you know, early 2000s hardcore bands on Facedown, but they wanted to test you out first and always have you on Strike First to see if you were worth the investment. Mm-hmm. And we had a really good experience with Strike First. Like uh, we we went on tour in 2006 after Strike First paid for us to record our full length, which was with Joel Lover. Uh, used to be Burning Bridges Studios. Now it's The Helm in Indianapolis, which is where Beyond the Fathoms uh, recorded their EP uh, just last year. Yep. And um, yeah, so we were able to hook, I was able to hook up with Joel again. I was like, hey, my new band, we want to come and record. But I mean, they paid for the recording. They got us linked up with this promotion agency in Tennessee. So we had a manager, we had a tour manager who was like booking and guaranteeing we're like getting fed on the road. And then when we finally ended up in uh, California and Modesto, I want to say is where they were at. I mean, they gave us all this free stuff and they were like, explaining how here's the breakdown for each cd sale this is what goes towards media this is what goes towards promotion it was a very small percentage that we got back but i mean like for being a you know diy record label they they really took good care of us and i was very impressed because i had heard horror stories and we we're kind of picky about like if we do sign who do we want to sign with because there were a couple that approached us at the during cornerstone I just we weren't sure. Mm-hmm. I, I've always heard hit or miss stories. Like I think in that era, though, I don't think labels were what they've ended up becoming now because my bands have been approached before, and I, I know this is a, a thing that still goes on. But a label back in 2019, this was kind of at the end of the band era. They sent us a message and wanted us to pay them like $7,500 to be a part of their label. I was like, why would we pay you? Right. Like, I don't, I've never understood that. And we've been, it's multiple ones. I won't name drop the label, but there's been a couple different ones that have had the same thing. Like, they're like, oh, we want to release your stuff. We really like you guys. Here's what we can do for you. You got to give us this money to get started because we're going to use that money to pay for this promotion here with this. Okay, well, here's my thing. If I have to pay these promoters and promotion, I can do all that myself and completely cut you out of it because if I have to pay for the booker, I've got to pay for management. I've got to pay for this. What is the point of the label? Right. I look at it as a VIP club because once you pay us, we can get you everything you need. So it's like, otherwise, you can hire. struggle. A publicist that does the promotion for you for cheaper. You can find someone that does bookings and hire them to do your bookings. Like that money can be spent elsewhere. And then anything that you earn comes directly to you. It's not being split with a label that did nothing. If you're paying them to do all this, oh, we caught you in contact. We did all the handling of this. Well, you can also do that yourself if you want to put in the work and save yourself money. Like that's my perspective. I I think it's, I think it's a network. If you're not part of them, they probably wouldn't, but I don't know. I don't really know the whole. It's almost like you're part of the, uh, the union once you've joined the label. Yeah. Yeah. See, but yeah, that's a new thing. Like coming back into the music scene after like 15 year hiatus, it's like pay to play. Wasn't even a thing back then. Everybody venues were just like, we need bands. We need bands. And you know, it was hand over fist. You got to show so easily, but now this whole, Oh, you have to pay us. Yep. And you have to sell this many tickets. Yep. And you know, we need your firstborn child. 
when did you what year was it when you kind of left Kingston Falls? So that was 2006. Uh, an individual in the band and I had kind of been bumping heads for like the last year. And it finally came to a culmination on tour, which was like the worst place for it to happen. Yeah. And so this individual, I won't say their name. Um, he had so much clout in the group though. It was like, we have to do what he says. And he would kind of bully people to get his way. So if it was his decision, like, this is what I want. I want him gone. Everybody's kind of like, well, we have to listen to him. We don't want to make him mad. So when I left, I, um, he was like, we're kicking you out. I'm like, fine, whatever. And so when we got back from the tour, I booked us a couple of local shows just to build up more revenue because we had another three week tour that we had to go back out on. And right before that tour was about to kick off, I'm like, you know what? I'm not doing this again. I'm not going on the road for three more weeks just to be bullied. And at the same time, they're still expecting me to contribute. Like, it's like working at a job and you know they're going to fire you, but they're still expecting you to like put in 100%, um, you know, empty your bank account to support the band. So like they're like wanting me to pay gas money, still provide money for merch and stuff like that. I'm like, why am I doing this to myself? So then I decided, yeah, I'm not going to go on tour. Sorry. And at the last second, like I kind of left them in a bind, which I felt bad, but I had to kind of move on with my life. Yeah. And uh, they found a replacement bass player. And um, then the guy who this individual in the band wanted to replace me, he graduated high school, so he took over. But I talked to one of our guitarists uh, years later, and he's like, dude, I know how you felt now, because once you left, this individual had to direct his aggression to someone else. And I guess he kept doing that. So he like you had like a revolving door of members after that, and eventually it just imploded. Yeah, that mm. toxicity, not the system of a down Sauger album, but the the toxic people. Once that target leaves, it has to move to someone else because that's just how people like that are. Like, you... Sorry, I was just gonna you... say, the, the negativity just it has to be attached to somebody yeah do you think like so was this person like that before or once you started getting bigger it just went to their head i kind of felt like maybe it went to their head like we'd been a band for three years and i think like you know people start to change after a while but it's almost felt like you know he wanted things to go his way um they started oh I was so proud of our full length that we released, but they were, he was really pushing clean vocals and we were a metalcore band. You know, we had an amazing vocalist. John was a, an amazing vocalist. Awesome front man. We actually stole him from another band. Um, we played a fest and they were, he was in a band called 12 was Romanian and me and Josh, the guitar player, we were just like, this kid is awesome. We need him in our band. Because we were having issues with our original singer. He, um, I don't want to say anything negative, but he was underage and he had an issue with alcohol. That's all I'm going to say. Mm. Uh, so unfortunately, it got to the point where we're like, we, we have to kind of move on because we're taking this seriously. We want this band to actually go somewhere. And so we stole John from 12 is Romanian. And, you know, fast forward two years later, 
the dynamic of the band is being challenged by one person who wants it to go a certain way. And everybody kind of had to just follow along because, you know, we don't want to make this one person upset. That would be a bad idea. Um, so let's just kind of please him. I kind of pushed back on it. I didn't like it. I was like, no, we're a metalcore band. This is not what I want to do. And so there was like conflict there. And then just a bunch of other things, just personalities. We just didn't seem to align anymore. And it just kind of got worse and worse. I oh. think getting popular too, though, it did have a big deal. Uh, big played a big part in it. And that was, that was one of the deals that we were having issues with. I don't understand why like how somebody's like you are obviously younger how anybody has any direction of what they're doing and then suddenly start pushing people away or being bossy it's like i don't understand the youth <laughs> you know what i mean I like know. i mean perhaps this person's not that way anymore but i'm not defending anybody it's just like young people do dumb dumb shit <laughs> you know and right. decisions and relationships, what are friendships? And yeah, I just, I don't know. You know, and I'm not singling him him out. Like I did dumb stuff too. I put myself in a precarious situation that I should not have when we we're on tour. And it was definitely an excuse he used to, to um, justify my exit. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it wasn't, it didn't feel like a collaboration anymore. And I was so relieved when I, when I started playing with Beyond the Fathoms, it was a group collaboration. Everybody's idea, opinion was valued. Everybody was listened to. And I really enjoyed that. No, I lied. It, I was I didn't want any of you guys to have any say. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I that do was have... definitely not the case. Ed was great. Everybody was great. I, I miss it. I miss playing them, but just family stuff and other um obligations just kind of, you know, I had to step down. But... I, I don't I try I, I don't run a tight ship. I think I should run it tighter, but like you guys are all grown adults, you know, like I just let you have the freedom to say and do whatever, as long as it, as long as people enjoyed themselves and the music meant something to everybody. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, do I wish I had beyond the fathoms in the early two thousands. I think it would have been a lot more fun. Like probably, with how the scene was thriving. I would have loved to have seen how beyond the fathoms would have taken off back then. I would have been trying to get laid or something. Cause I was such a loser, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> you guys strike first to face on, they were a Christian label, weren't they? Yes. So we've actually talked to a couple people so far and about this for you guys did you guys really consider yourselves a Christian band or were you Christians in a band or was one person goes to church and all of a sudden they took that moniker or whatever, because that's what was popular at the time. At the time, I feel like that's what was popular, but we were Christians in a band, but that was another thing that bothered me towards like the end. I was like, man, we are not acting like Christians. I remember we played a show at the post and we were inviting another local band over to hang out. And they're like, oh, no, I hear about the after show parties with Kingston Falls. I don't want to go over there for that. And I was kind of like, ouch, do we really have that kind of a reputation? And like, you know, hearing that, I was like, yeah, we definitely are not acting like, you know, the if we're supposed to be Christians, we're not acting like it. You know, we all had our vices and I kind of that was kind of like a slap in the face. <laughs> but I think we just kind of like, yeah, we're Christians and we just kept that kept that going because you know we we were 
looking at Christian labels. Those were the ones that were looking at us. And those were labels that were big at the time for the style of music we were playing. Yeah. And we had the connections through other bands that were on these labels. So That's I don't fun. know. Back in that era, obviously, I was I was never really a religious person, so it's not like I'd ever say I'd be in a Christian band or anything, but I remember when I started going to shows, like I'm pretty sure Itfo said they were a Christian band. I remember yep. uh, Gwen Stacy were, Haste the Day were. There was like so many bands from around the area that I thought were really, really good, and they were all Christian bands. I was like, what's... I was like new to the scene, so I was like, I didn't know this stuff was like even existed. I didn't know this was like Christian music and then like Zayo and everything else. So I started looking into bands there, like from solid state and you had face down. And I think there was another one. I can't think of what it is, but all those bands were really, really good. And then for some reason, I just felt like when I was playing shows. We played with so many Christian bands, but I knew some of the people in those bands and I knew what they did outside of the band. I was like, there's no way these guys are Christians. Like, yep. Some of the most issues we had in, with against other bands were the Christian bands because they were the biggest dicks to everybody outside of their band. Like, they were just like straight up. They'd make fun of the other bands. They'd do stuff like talk crap about someone else or what. Like, very non-Christiany, if that makes sense. So, yeah, and that that was that was definitely like I, I liked I liked whiskey. I was a whiskey drinker big time. Um. <laughs> But man, like the incident that really stays with me is when we played Cornerstone in 2004, we were doing the generator stage and that night we went to a hotel and Dan from Zayo was out there and we were talking to Dan from Zayo on the balcony of the hotel and he's drinking, our singer's drinking, our singer's having way too much and he starts getting rowdy and then the cops end up showing up. And I'm like, crap, I'm the only one in this room of age. I've got four other dudes in here that are all underage. One of them is so belligerently drunk right now. He's fight. He wants to fight me because he wants to go outside and talk to Dan from Zayo. And that was like the first big band fight we had because he's like, we need to kick Jason out. And I'm like, no, dude, you need to calm down because we're going to get in trouble if you go outside. And like the next day, Dan from Zayo went to go see us play and we were awful, like oh, absolutely no. awful. I think it was like the first show we ever played where we just, for some reason, the stars did not align and everything just fell apart. And that's kind of like what started the whole, like, maybe we should get a different vocalist. But yeah, the whole, the whole alcohol thing, I'm like, man, we are dealing with this alcohol intake and we're at a christian festival and we're supposed to be a christian band i was kind of like man this this sucks this is not a good look <laughs> i remember correctly like you're basically like kind of being the caretaker of everybody right josh and i were the oldest two hmm. and we kind of had to like steer the ship that's rough. Um, josiah that's... was still in high school and john was still in high school and so, like, we would take, like, these little mini tours every now and then. But it was usually, like, during Christmas break or the summer. But we had to wait um, till everybody graduated before we could actually start touring full-time. And it was, like, right when we signed with Strike First that we were able to do that. But Josh, yeah. I felt bad for Josh because he kind of got roped into, like, he wanted to make everybody happy. And he got roped into, like, pulling out a loan for the van. Hmm. And he got bullied into it, I feel like. And uh, so he's making car payments on his own car. 
then he's got to worry about us making just enough money to each show to make the monthly van payment to the bank. Ugh. Yeah, dude, I felt he was, you could, I could see it every single night of practice. He was just stressed. <laughs> he was so stressed. I felt so bad for him. Yeah. But we were trying to do, you know, me and him were trying to be smart financially and like, we know what we need to do to make this go forward. And, you know, we need to spend this much money on merch. And then you'd have people that argue about merch. Like, no, we need to get pink shirts. I'm like, why are we getting pink shirts? We're a metal band. That's stupid. We don't want pink shirts. (laughs) Well, pink shirts are cool. No, they're not cool. You know, they're cool now. And then, well, I disagree with you. I want you out of the band, you know, crap like that. It was just like, really, we just need to find a, we need to find a common ground. Cause this is how we make our money is shirts and other merch. Hmm. Back in those days, did you guys have a connection to get your stuff made or is it all? We got endorsed by hope clothing. Actually. I don't know if you remember that, but no. they were, um, <laughs> we made our own shirts. Like the first two orders we did on our own. And then these guys, I cannot remember their name. I'm so sorry. Uh, it was two guys in the scene and they started hope clothing and they asked if you know they could sponsor us and we're like heck yeah free shirts yeah we'll do that and so they started um screen printing some of our stuff and that's where we got started getting a lot of our merch like we pay them a percentage and we were getting merch from them which was great because like the first year we actually like went to full effect with that we bought our i bought my uh the trailer that we were using for like 600 bucks and we paid it off in one week just from going to Cornerstone by selling all the shirts and CDs that we had. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Hmm. And I think they thought that that was going to happen again for the van, which did not happen. And <laughs> we were locked into a huge, huge uh, loan on that. Hmm. Which stressed Josh out significantly. Yeah, nobody, no, no young person needs that kind of stress. No. <laughs> Especially with high school. You said he was still in high school and took a loan out for a van. Josh was not. Um, he was. Oh. Josh, Brent, and myself were out of high school. Okay. Uh, Josiah and John were. Uh, Josiah, I think, was a, a junior when we started the band, because mm. the band was originally a punk band called Gunk. <laughs> Josh was the yeah Gunk. They were like a big punk band in the area, and um, it was Josiah and Josh on guitar with Brent playing drums, and then this other kid named Adam playing bass. Mm. And so you basically had Gunk swapped out me for the other bass player and then a, uh, just a new vocalist. And Josh hated it at first. He absolutely hated the band. He's like, this is stupid. I don't want to play metal. And then we kind of finally found our like our sound and our style. And then he got he's like, yeah, okay, this is good. I'm on board now. But yeah, Josiah and John were still in high school and we had to like constantly make sure that we were on their schedule for stuff. So it was a little difficult, but you could tell like the minute they were going to graduate, they were ready to go. I just remember it always like we'd saw you guys a few times and you guys were like one of the cool bands that I was hoping that we'd ever got a chance to play with. And none of my bands ever had the opportunity to play with you guys personally, but I'd only saw you guys, maybe, like I said, I saw you at the Emerson. I think I saw you one time in Kokomo. And other than that, weirdly enough, after you left the band, I think the other bass player and singer that they had left too because two of the guys from Ghost of Maine, I'm pretty sure, went up to join the band at one point too. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it 
really did much after that happened, though. I think I was about the end of the era of it. But the the conversation I had with Josh in 2012 was the gist was he's like basically the band belongs to two people now, and he's like I don't even feel like I'm in the band. I'm just there to do what I'm told to do. And I'm like, yep, that's kind of how I felt towards the end. Yeah. And I know, like, everybody quit. They even had Nate from Cape Renewal. He was the singer for a little while. Uh, he was on their second full-length Armada on Mercury. And um, he left, too. I, I heard there was animosity for that, uh, for him leaving. But I think the remaining two members tried to, like, keep the band going and they had three other three other dudes show up, and I think that's what you're talking about, Ghost of Maine. Yeah, but like even that, you know, it just didn't come to fruition. Yeah, Ghost of Maine was always like my favorite local band. I booked them a lot and played a bunch of shows with them or what. Even after Ryan and Chris left, I think they were the ones that went to Kingston Falls. Yeah, broke... Ryan, Chris, and Shay. I don't remember that one. I don't know if he was from Ghost of Maine or not, but. But no, they uh, they went up there because I used to be in a band with Chris at one point. So I knew Chris for a little bit, and then he joined. He left that band that we used to be in. He went and joined Ghost of Maine, and then they, I booked him on a few shows, and all of a sudden they weren't in the band no more. They had a new guy. I was like, the hell's going on? <laughs> this was back before everyone was still MySpace days, so you didn't really know everyone's business like you do now on social media. Yeah, dude, MySpace... Oh, that was a game changer, though. For yeah, I, I missed that era. MySpace flyers. <laughs> yeah. That was uh, Chris the really tall, skinny dude. Kind of looked like Ichabod Crane. No, Chris was. He had longer hair, I believe. <laughs> Sorry, Ichabod. It's a funny name, though. I know uh, honestly, it, it, we this dude used to hang. Maybe it's Ryan. I'm thinking of then. Yeah, Ryan was tall and skinny. Okay, yeah, Ryan would hang with us every now and then. And I always thought he looked like Ichabod Crane from like that old Disney cartoon. <laughs> yeah, I don't. There was another guy from Ghost of Maine, and I don't. I think his name was Jared. I'm not 100 percent sure, but we always called him the robot because we went up and every time you'd talk to the guy, I guess my guitar player at the time went up talked to him about stuff he was playing, and he would just quote it back. Yeah, just love being up here playing with my brothers. It's a great opportunity. He's like, yeah, well, I kind of play on the same type of guitar or whatever. We play the same scales. Yeah, I just love being up here with my brothers, doing what we love. Like, he wasn't, like, answering. He just kept repeating himself. He's like, I think he, like, malfunctioned because he just kept repeating something that wasn't even what I was saying. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, he must be a robot. But His codes can, uh, it's uh, corrupted. <laughs> All yeah. that sweat from playing. But. No, I I do miss that era of playing out just because, like you said earlier, you could get shows left and right. Like, there was a show every week, and we played almost every weekend somewhere around here, and it was awesome. And there was always packed. It didn't matter where, who played or where you were at. It was always wall-to-wall packed. Yes. Now it's yeah, like, Every weekend was a mini tour. Friday, yeah. Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday morning, you go into work, like, half dead. Yep. <laughs> I, so that era from like to me is like 2006 up to 2010 like those that four-year block was a when i was playing shows all the time and that's ever since then it's like i've missed it 
I'm I'm an outsider because like again I was never part of that and it's like where the hell did everybody go? Were they just like I mean I mean I, I guess everybody grows up, but it's like did they even really care once it died? Or did did you know what I mean? Like I don't I, know, I just No, that's I, a valid question because it's like there were so many people and it's just like it's like what, Thanos snapped his finger and everybody just where'd everybody go? Or what, or it was just a hangout for everybody. And they didn't really care music. I don't know. I wasn't there. That was so the other thing. Very strange. Like, yeah. A lot of it was like, I'm so seen, you know, kids showing up just, for, just, you know, it's a hangout. And that was the other thing too. A lot of those kids could have, you know, they didn't give a rip about the music. It was just a place to hang out. But, you know. I had that vibe when I went to go see Zayo. I'm like, it's, it's like a high school hangout. Some people were into the music and then others were just hanging out with their friends, just talking. I don't know if they were. Yeah, that's. I guess I got a little taste of it when I saw Viseo at the Pavilion Park again, which is a strange place for a show, but whatever. <laughs> at peace, at, uh, at peace while burning played that show, and that was a phenomenal show. Mm. They were like legendary hardcore band out of Warsaw. There's like nothing. There's, there's nothing in Warsaw now. I don't think so. I've never heard of any band no. from Warsaw. I'm like, what the hell happened? You remember there were two venues out there that consistently had shows. One was the Fireman's Building, and mm. Seven Angel Seven Plagues was supposed to play. And for some reason, the Parks Department came in and shut the show down, even though Gosh. it was the building was rented out. And again, it was like, what do we do? This huge band from Wisconsin is here, and suddenly we don't have a venue. Made a phone call. We caravaned this band over to this barn in New Webster, North Webster. I'm sorry, North Webster. <laughs> and they played for like 30 people in a barn. Oh, nice. And it, to this day, that is probably my favorite show of all time. Did you get any hay in your crevices in the mosh pit? I did not. There was no pit. Everybody was just right up oh. to the front of the band. And everybody, he was like handing the mic to people, singing ah. along. It was awesome. It was so nice. good because everybody knew every single word. That's awesome. It was such a good show. That's the other thing I've actually noticed recently. There's a, some bands around here that are like hardcore bands now, and I've noticed some of the shows they've been playing, like a lot of people are starting to do that again, getting involved with on the microphone and mm-hmm. th- throwing down. Like It looks like from the outsider's perspective, because I've got four kids, full-time job, married. I don't have the opportunities to go out and go to shows like I used to, but <laughs> I look from afar. I see the photos. I watch the videos, and then makes me sad because if i go to a show i get sad that i'm not playing because i miss it so much yeah uh it looks like at least these shows that i've been seeing they look like they've been having some really good turnouts again so i'm hoping the scene's starting to come back well there's a lot of these classic bands that are making a resurgence like prayer for cleansing Mm -hmm. they had a a show was like a memorial for someone but prayer for cleansing and undying played in north carolina i think back in december and now Prayer for Cleansing is going to play at Furnace Fest this year. All these other bands from way back in the day are playing. It's just crazy. They're all coming back. Yeah. So. I, uh, I'm actually surprised the band like Lorna Shore is as big as they are. I mean, they I think they sold they recently sold out the inter- intersection up in Grand Rapids on like a Tuesday or some random <laughs> day. And I'm like, like if, I mean, if you heard them, you'd be like, what the hell? I mean, they're terrible. I don't like them at all. I know they're they're uh, they're uh, they're not everybody's taste. 
But the fact is, that's kind of crazy how yeah. popular they are considering the how they sound. They're not that accessible. You can barely understand the singer. I know that's funny coming from somebody who likes crazy vocals, but I literally can't understand that guy. Other than yeah. his There's a lot of bands that I've listened to lately. I was like, and me, me as a vocalist, I've always been able to somewhat understand bands, but I'm like, what the hell is this guy? Even? Is he make, I think he's just making noises. And then you've got <laughs> bands... I forget what the band's name was, but they literally were just straight up pig squeals. Like all the vocals were like guttural pig squealy noises. I was like, and then you read the label or like the lyric book. I was like, there's no way this is what he's saying. Like <laughs> it literally just sounds like pig squeals. It's like a recipe for like banana bread. That's all you hear. I'm like, what the hell is this? That's, that sounds like I just add two <laughs> eggs, so, sugar. Yeah. It's a, it's a banana <laughs> bread recipes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Jason, let's um, Skeleton Thieves. Uh, they did a show and it had been like a long time since they'd played. And Jason Short, the singer, even said, like, I forgot some of the lyrics, so I just quoted Simpsons stuff. Like, he was saying, like, <laughs> one liners from Nelson from The Simpsons. Nice, because <laughs> he couldn't remember some of the vocals. That's hilarious. Well, Jason, yeah, this is about the point where we try and kick me I... off. Well, no, we usually hype up the latest project. Off. <laughs> the latest project that the guest is usually talking about. Like we play a song at the end of uh, the episode, but I guess this would be kind of up to you and Ed if you guys want to play one of your guys' songs to take us out. Do we have to? <laughs> Absolutely. I want my favorite song, Ed's favorite song too, oh, by Lord. the way. It's a little ditty called All Will Burn. Right, well, and it just came out two weeks ago. So I guess I'll give you know, our backstory. We just we recorded this song up in Indy, and like I had the song forever. Like the 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 meat and potatoes of it since like even before I was in this band, right? So, and then I joined this band, and then I carried that song into there, and I was like, man, it's gonna be a great song, and it ended up being one, but it got changed so much, so we ended up we actually recorded it one time before with a previous drummer we had, and then it never got finished. So then when finally went back to the studio and I'm like recording again, I'm like, Oh my fucking God, not again. And <laughs> it's been a good staple or a live show, but it's like, I, you know, Jason's heard the other songs that were supposed to replace it. But now that it's out again, I have to, we're forced to play it some like a thousand times more. And it's just like, Oh my God. <laughs> It was but, the one song that gave everybody a hard time when we were recording. Yep, yep. We everybody why, had yeah. issues. Like, oh, this song is so ridiculous because the time signatures change. It's so yeah. all over the place. Uh, yeah. when I, I remember going to Ed's like on Sundays when I moved back, like getting ready. And that was the one song I was the most frustrated with. Yeah. It, yeah, it's a... I, I try not to write something stupid like that again, but people like it. I'm like, oh God, no. So yeah, I guess uh, just to be nice, yeah, we'll play it for Jason because he did <laughs> contribute. Well, I mean, because he contributed, and he, you know, he got gray hairs trying to record that, and he played it live, and he was happy to play it. So no, yeah. I'm just glad that we found Joel and Brooke because they did a phenomenal job. Yeah, they did. They're pretty cool guys. Uh, shout out to the Helm Studios the in Helm. Indy. If you're out down in Indy and Needed some dudes, or they are, they're down there. <laughs> I hope I was, they listen. 
But I was going to recommend uh, when you're talking about merch and everything, I have a buddy that does shirts for really, really cheap. And I was looking on my phone to his Facebook page for that company is now missing. So like, maybe I'm not going to give it a shout out on this episode because Oops. I don't know if he's even there anymore. I haven't talked to him for a while. Take so. the, he took the money and ran. No, he, that's who always did our shirts for us. And like, he's oh. probably one of the cheapest guys around. And now I'm like, I was going to give him a shout out and I was like, Oh shit. He's not even, this oh, well. page is gone. <laughs> so maybe yes. he's not doing shirts these days. But it's crazy business. But yeah, Jason, definitely appreciate talking with you. It's uh it's nice to hear someone that's been involved in the same thing kind of brings back those memories for me too. I I, I miss the old days. <laughs> I don't know if it's called nostalgia or whatever, but I don't. I wasn't part of them, so sorry oh. guys. <laughs> Ed didn't get to sit at the cool table. I did time. not. And I'm still not cool. And maybe I would have had some more like, you know, some more what do you call that word? I can't even think of it. Clout. There we <laughs> go. Clout to my name if I would have been part of that and I've been such a loser. But now I'm just older and still a loser. So <laughs> you guys live the heyday that I didn't get to see. Damn it. Anyone out there yeah. listening, if uh, <laughs> you've got stories about the heydays of that local metal scene from the 2000s or honestly, it doesn't even have to be about metal. We're open for everything. But if you want to get a hold of us for a future episode, send an email to Brandon at darksideofthescene.com and we can talk and get you scheduled on a future episode. And again, that's open to all genres. I know we predominantly been mainly focused on like rock and metal stuff, but there's some other things coming up soon that'll be a little bit different than what we've been doing here in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm sure a kazoo player out there has had it even worse than us. Yeah. There's a lot of a lot of other stuff goes on, not just in this metal scene that we've all kind of been involved in. So we're going to definitely touch base on some of those too. But again, Jason, thanks for coming out and talking with us. And we're going to sign off here. Thanks for having me, guys. It was, it was a pleasure to well, just talk about the heyday. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, everybody. Good night. Bye. Good night.